Hey, let's pray, shall we, as we start. And Heavenly Father, I just thank you that you're here this morning. Thank you that you want to reveal yourself to us. You want to meet with us. You want to equip us. And so we welcome you and we say, come and teach us, Lord. And help us to be more effective in blessing one another and in seeing you move in people's lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, I'm Ali, by the way, and uh, it's good to be good to be with you this morning. What we're going to be looking at this morning is a real, hopefully, very practical look on how to pray for people so that stuff happens. And we're talking about this in the context of what we would refer to here at Soul Survivor as a ministry time, which is just shorthand for time that we particularly set aside to say. Holy Spirit, come. Come and do whatever you want to do. Come and meet with your people. It's a time where, yeah, we're looking for God to minister to other people. Not, not in many ways, not for us to do loads, although we're going to be looking at how we can be part of that and how we can facilitate that. But it's literally about clearing the decks, making space for God to come and meet with people one-on-one. And as a bit of... Um, uh, pre, what's the word, preamble to that, is just to say that one thing that's really helpful for us is to be really clear in our minds is this, is that God always wants to meet with his people. That's who he is. It's what he loves to do. And if we're not uh, sure about that, then what we just need to do is look at the story of the Bible. And I'm going to do this in about three sentences. Throughout history, we see that God has always been making a way to meet with his people. We start back in Genesis and we see that when God created Adam and Eve, he spent time with them. It said he would walk with them in the cool of the evening in the Garden of Eden. And then obviously sin enters the world and no longer is that there that intimacy that was there at the beginning beginning but as we go forward in time and as I said I'm, this is really sketching it we see that Jesus came and when Jesus came one of his names was Emmanuel God with us and when it was time for uh, Jesus to go back to heaven and he said it's really good that I'm going and the reason why it was good that he was going is because he was going to send another and the Holy Spirit was no longer God with us but God in us God has always been wanting to meet with his people, to hang out with them. And if we go right forward to the end of our story, we see that in Revelation, that's going to have, it's, um, it's going to come full circle and it's going to go back to the time where we can just hang out with God in the intimacy that he designed in the first place, where sin is no longer an issue. And it says in Revelation that the time is coming when the dwelling of God is with man and they will be his people. So that the time is coming where it's just going to be like it was always meant to be, that intimacy, us and God. So so, as I say, he always wants to meet with his people. And that's a really important thing that's going to underpin everything that we do. Because it's not like, oh God, I wonder if you want to do anything today. I wonder if you want to come and, and meet and hang out. I wonder if you want intimacy with us. The truth is, he does. That's a given. It's not a gamble or a hope. And so what we're doing is we're just making sure there's space for him to come and do what we know he wants to do. Not that we'll always know exactly what that looks like. Often we won't know what that looks like. But we know that he wants to do it. And when God does meet with his people, it can literally be life-changing. All sorts of things happen as we create space for him to come and meet with us. He will send his people his peace. He will encourage us. He will heal us, sometimes physically, sometimes emotionally. He will show us his love, uh, fill us afresh with his Holy Spirit, anoint us for specific tasks, shares his heart with us. 
Sometimes there's a sense of our heart being broken as he shares his heart with us. He'll empower us, set us apart for things that he's calling us to do, equip us for the things that he's calling us to do. All of this stuff, not necessarily all of it in one go, but all of this and more can and will happen as we clear the decks and make room for God to meet with his people. And what's uh, really important is this is God's work. So we're coming to look at how do we pray for people so that stuff happens. And as we do that, it's important to remember this is God's work. This is what he wants to do. And it's about us uh, working alongside of him, keeping the focus on him and kind of almost being near on invisible facilitators of whatever he wants to do. How many of you are here because you're on a team and as being on a team serving at Soul Survivor this year, you've been told come along to pray for people so that stuff happens? A little bunch of you, okay, but the rest of you are just here because you thought, actually, yeah, I'd quite like to know how to do that. Is that the rest of you? Roughly. Brilliant. Okay. Um, and so what we're going to be doing, what we want to do is look at some stuff that can make you feel more confident. Because what's going to happen is in our main meetings, there'll be this time, as I say, where we set aside time uh, for God to minister. And then from the front, Mike, Andy, Lana will say, and now others, come and pray. Come and be part of what God's doing. And that's when you'll be like, yippee, that's where I get to be part of this. And what we're trying to do this morning is give you some tips that will make you feel more confident to do that, more at ease in doing that. But it's not about getting you to a place where you feel like a pro a pro prayer where you get to the point where you think yep I've got it it's in the bag I know exactly what to do here because actually no one and the people that we've particularly asked to be here this week as enabling team they're people that are going to be practical on the ground helping us out pointing us in the right direction if we get stuck maybe giving us a tissue if we need one those kind of things they're not here either because they're pro players all it is is they've been doing it long enough to know that it is about God and they're just trying to find ways to clear the decks for him to come and do what he wants to do. So like I say, it's not about us getting to the point where we feel like we're really um, professional at doing this. We just want some practical tips and some do's and don'ts that means that it's easier for God to come and do whatever he wants to do. And so once we've gone through the practical stuff this morning, then what we'll do is we'll get a few people um, who are up for it to be guinea pigs and we're going to practice praying for them. So, and we're going to be looking at this under five headings this morning. We're going to be looking at how to pray for people in terms of stand, stop, listen, look and speak. And there's lots to take in, but don't worry about it. If you're taking notes, then great. But there are actually, there's a couple of pages in the program that's kind of got some of this stuff expressed in a different way. And that can be your crib sheet if you want to go back and sort of, um, yeah, refresh your memory a bit. So there's lots to take in, but don't worry about that. Just sort of, yeah, let it go in. So time of um, ministry, the first thing that's going to happen, if someone has come forward for prayer, and um, and usually it will be forward, we usually ask people to come forward um, mainly because there's space at the front of the stage, also because it helps us to see who wants prayer and who doesn't. So it's a very practical thing. But also for the person wanting prayer, the person that's responding to God, there is actually something I think quite um, special and important about getting up from where you are and moving. There's something that I think in our mind that we go, yeah, I want this, God. I want you. I want to meet with you. And almost, I'm just going to leave behind the other stuff that I'm thinking about. And even sometimes walking away from, it sounds weird, but walking away from our friends, there's a freedom just to go and have a moment, just us and God, without thinking too much about other people. So we usually ask people to come forward. And so this whole thing about where we're all involved in this is it starts when we get up also out of our seats and we go and stand next to them. And, and this whole topic of stand, 
one thing that isn't practical, but I think it's really important, is that when we go and stand next to someone that we're going to pray for, we need to remember that we stand under the authority of God. That we don't go and forward to pray for someone um, because we've got anything special to bring necessarily. But also we don't have to worry as we go and stand like, oh, who am I? Who am I that I could possibly be part of what God wants to do in this person's life right now? What's really important is it isn't about us. It's about God meeting with his people. But it might be that sometimes as you go forward to stand um, next to someone and pray for them, suddenly in your mind you're thinking, oh, I really shouldn't be doing this because I know that I... I sinned in this way, that I know that I'm not worthy. I know. Sometimes you get those thoughts in your mind. And do you know what's great then is just even as you walk forward to go and stand that person, just confess your sin to God. Just say, God, I am sinful. I don't have it in the bag for this person today, but I thank you that you have everything they need. And I ask you, just come and forgive me now. Just come and help me know that I am yours, that I am forgiven and that you can use me. You know, the Bible is full of stories of God using people that were weak, that messed up, that didn't think they had what it takes. And he's very familiar with working with people like that because it's what we're all like. We're all, we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So when you go and stand, know that you stand there under his authority and with his blessing and with his covering. The other thing as you go and stand is that you stand under the authority of whoever's leading the meeting, so like Mike and the others, but also the people that are leading the enabling team and the enabling team generally. And as you're praying for someone, it might be that they come around and they might say, oh, do you know what? It'd be really helpful if you didn't lie on that person while you're praying for them and if they say that you could be like no but God has told me that I should lie on top of them that if in that moment they say don't that it's your job just to submit to their leadership and say okay that's fine and if you if you want to discuss that with them further you could do that after the meeting but in the moment you're under their authority so that's an important thing to remember but then let's get really practical now so as you go forward to go and pray for someone you stand now and what we would say is what really works is stand in front of them not behind them now now we're quite familiar and perhaps used to just, in fact, Abby, can I borrow you for a minute? Sport your lovely welly boots. Come and, I love these welly boots. Are you kind of hoping it might rain today? No, you're just going to wear them anyway. That's good. Okay, so if I'm coming forward to pray for Abby, what we often see happening is that we just sort of stand beside Abby and we just get behind and we kind of think, oh, you know, it's Jesus' work anyway, so I'm just going to stand behind you and I'm just going to sort of mutter my sort of prayers behind you. We would say, no, don't do that. This is the way you want to stand, right in front of Abby, where you can see. Now, this is going to work. Can you, do you mind standing that way? This way? Yeah, face me. Oh, no, that's what you said was better. Yeah, well done. Right, so she's come forward for prayer. And then I want to stand right in front of her. And I'm going to stand in front of her with my eyes open. And it feels weird to start with because we're very used to, some of us from a really young age, is when we pray, we pray with our eyes shut. And it's got something to do with, I think, not being distracted when we're little and so we don't end up doing something else. But we're going to learn to pray with our eyes open because as we pray with our eyes open, we can see what it is that God wants to do. It sounds weird, but as you pray with your eyes open, and I might see that as I'm praying for Abby, she looks really troubled. And so then I'm like, God, what's going on? I think she needs your peace. And we say, God, just bring Abby your peace. Or maybe we see that she's crying. And so we might grab her a tissue but we're not going to stop her tears they're fine she's just crying hanging out with Jesus we don't worry about tears but as we look we begin to see can you go and sit there because I might need you again in a minute is that all right 
So we stand in front of them, we keep our eyes open, we pray for the same, someone as the same sex as us. And um, I know that you probably in your church, you might do it differently, but we just say as soul survivor, we have found with experience that it's just easier if we pray for someone the same sex as us. I remember, um, and particularly for the person being prayed for, there can be that sense of it's just a bit easier, they can relax a bit more if they're being prayed for someone the same sex as them. And I remember years ago, I think it was at the first soul survivor, I came along as a delegate, I came with one of my good friends and we went along to a seminar and I can't remember what the seminar was about but uh, and this in those days we didn't have the same sex rule you could pray for someone of the opposite sex and um, there someone spoke out a word from the front about someone was in the room with recurring tonsillitis and my friend that I was with she was a teacher and she was getting tonsillitis like six eight times a year and it was really causing difficulties for her all that time off work or anything so she went up for prayer and I they sort of said like come and join someone and come and pray so I went and sort of stood near and prayed and this guy came up to pray for her and you guys will know who I mean by hot Nick hot Nick yeah Nick Martin not my Martin I'm Ali Martin but not my Martin but hot Nick came to pray for her and so I went up for prayer and I, I went up to help pray but I frankly was just a bit distracted by how hot hot Nick was and um I'm glad she had her eyes shut. When she opened them, she was going to be wishing that she hadn't snotted everywhere because hot Nick was hot Nick. Um, and so I found it distracting. I don't know about her. So we found that generally it just works really well if you're praying for someone that, that you don't think is hot and that they probably don't think that you're hot. So, and the other thing that we'd say is that um, often it's like all hands on deck. We just need loads of people to come and pray. But if there's enough people praying, we'd really encourage you to pray in pairs. It's way better that way. It's easier. There's something really fun about it. I think um, God is really up for um, pairs and more. You know, you look at it in the Bible and it seems like two is a really good number in the Bible. Two or more is a much better number than one. And um, I know for me that when I get to pray with particularly actually one of my friends where we're used to doing it a bit, there's that lovely sense of sort of tag teaming that one of you is maybe praying over someone and the other one is just quietly asking God to move and then when they, they might not have something but you might have something. It's just fun that way. And when you stand, we're still on this whole topic of stand, when you do that, um, the other thing that you want to do is probably just lay a hand lightly on that person maybe on their shoulder it's good to ask permission do you mind if I just lay a hand on you if they've come forward for prayer for healing then it's a really good thing and it's a biblical thing in any case to lay a hand on the part that hurts depending on what part hurts and then you definitely want to ask permission and some things just don't even ask permission just don't do it because that'd be weird to ask permission to lay your hand on a part that Anyway, you know what I mean. So, yeah, generally, if, it, you know, if their elbow's hurting, then say, do you mind if I just lay a hand on that? So, that's all understand. We stand under the authority of God. We stand under the authority of the person in the meeting. We stand next to the person, sorry, we stand in front of the person with our eyes open, laying a hand on, if appropriate, with someone the same sex as us and hopefully with someone else as well, which means we can tag team. So, we've stood. And now that we've stood, the next thing is we stop. We're in position, ready to go, in front, hands out, eyes open, and then we wait. And this whole thing about waiting is so key, and it comes back to the thing that I was saying at the beginning. It's because this is about God and what he wants to do with that person, not about the way that we think he might want to meet with them. And it can sort of, it's a bit like the praying with the eyes open thing. It can sometimes feel a bit... Um, 
a bit odd to us because what feels more normal is to go up and to begin our sort of shopping list prayers. So we might say, what do you want prayer for? Oh, I'm actually, I'm really, my heart's really sore because I've just broken up with my boyfriend before I got here. Okay, Lord, I just really pray you meet this person. Her heart is so sore and she really wants you to meet with her and I know that it must be so hard. And we start, you know, we, we go into overdrive and that's kind of, often we feel more comfortable because then we sort of feel a bit in control. But it's remembering this is God's work, not ours. So when they ask for prayer, we just stand and we just say, maybe probably quietly to ourselves, maybe of them, come Holy Spirit, come. We invite you now, come and meet with this person. And then we wait. We want to wait and see what God wants to do, what he wants to say, how he wants to meet with that person. And as we wait, um, like I said a moment ago, we may well see signs of the Holy Spirit at work. We might see that they look more peaceful. We might see that tears come. We might um, uh, see um, sometimes like their eye, eyelashes fluttering a bit. And it's just like that's just God resting on them. And they're beginning to meet with him. God is really powerful. So when he comes and he meets with us, often there might be small signs, sometimes bigger signs of what he's doing. And as we're waiting and we're watching, it's not that we're just hanging out doing nothing. There's an inquiring in the waiting. It was said of Jesus, he only did what he saw the Father doing. And that's our job as well. So we're like, God, what, what are you doing here? How do you want to meet with this person? Come and speak. Come and show me. And like I say, that's one of the reasons why we say to pray with our eyes open. Because then we can sometimes see. Sometimes it's not obvious what God is doing. It looks like that person is just standing very still with not much happening at all. Sometimes we'll see the the subtle signs. But if we don't see anything at all, that doesn't mean that God isn't doing anything. Remember that he always wants to meet with his people. And what often it is, is it's often the case that people just aren't used to waiting in his presence. They're not used just to hanging out there. Also, for lots of us, and some of you will resonate with this, you've come here five days away, you really want to meet with God, but there's bits of your heart that are just a bit dry. Maybe things have been a bit tough where you've come from. Maybe it feels like it's been a while since you've just hung out in God's presence. There could be all sorts of reasons. And one thing that I, there's lots of things that I'm not very good at. And one of the things that I'm really not very good at is keeping plants alive. I just don't do it anymore. My heart sinks when someone gives me some sort of living creature because I can manage to keep my children alive. I seem to be doing okay with that. But plants, I really don't do well with and um, they just kind of get like drier and drier and I remember having this one plant that just even though I never watered it it would just keep growing in a slightly desperate way of like maybe if I go over here there might be water over here no and then maybe I might be and someone gave me an orchid the other day what the heck am I supposed to do with an orchid question do you water it or not I mean, I think generally you need water, don't you? But don't orchids need like little spray things? You don't know. You're like, why would I care? Anyway, but the point is this. Some of us come to Soul Survivor and we feel a bit like a plant that's been not looked after by Ali Martin. Like we feel like, oh my gosh, I'm just dry. And what happens is I would look at these plants over the years that people have given me and I would suddenly feel really guilty. And so I'd slosh loads of water on them and it would just go all over my kitchen windowsill because the the soil was so dry, it couldn't absorb it. And the way to do it is you just pour a little bit of water in and eventually that will sink in. It will And then as the soil begins to soften a bit more, you can add a bit more water and that will sink in. And then you can add more until the plant gets a really good drink. And sometimes uh, praying for people and asking the Spirit of God to come, it's a bit like 
soaking people in his presence and encouraging them just to be there. I've noticed over the years that we've got worse as the years go on at just hanging out in his presence because we're kind of, we're so used to things being quick that we're like, okay, I'm waiting on you. All right, I'm done and I'm going back to my seat. And we could really do with just encouraging people, just give it time. Let God come and meet with you. We wait. So if we don't see anything happening, it doesn't mean that nothing is happening. It literally just means um, that it might need time. It might not be obvious what he's doing. But certainly we would never make it feel like it's someone's fault that God doesn't appear to be doing much. Sometimes, you know, at Soul Survivor, if you come forward for prayer, there might be someone next to you that is seemingly having a jolly old time. Maybe they're like shaking or crying their eyes out or lying on the floor. And, you're, and then you're stood next to them going, this is rubbish. God is doing it all there and he just missed me by about a metre. And so if, you, if you're feeling that, can you imagine then how bad it would be if someone said like, God doesn't seem to be doing anything with you. Are you a bit sinful? You know, or maybe you've got a demon. Maybe that's why he's not meeting with you. And people definitely do not need that kind of stuff put on them. So it never, it won't be their fault. And God will want to meet with them. There might just be a process of receiving and resting in his presence. So just encourage them. Give it time. And it might be that at the end of a prayer time, you just say, do you know what? Tonight, when there's another time of ministry, doesn't matter what it's for, come up again and get some more prayer because God wants to meet with you. And I remember that at my first Soul Survivor. It did not matter what the call for ministry was. It was like, you know, we're going to commission evangelists. Great. I would go up. We'd go for people that have been um, hurt in some way growing up. Yeah, I'd go for that. And then we'd go for one that, you know, they wanted to be the next Archbishop of Canterbury. I'd go forward for that. You know, I just wanted prayer. I just wanted to be in his presence. And no one was like, excuse me, you shouldn't be standing here because, you know, that's not what you want. You know, that's not the call. Just come and get prayer and encourage people to do so. Right. So we have stood and uh, we have, um, we've gone and we've stood, sorry, and we have stopped and we've stopped and we've waited in God's presence for what he wants to do. And the other thing then is we listen. We want to be listening to the person that we've come forward to pray for, but also we want to be listening to God. So we want to be listening to the person that we're praying for. So it might be appropriate to say to them, what would you like prayer for? Now, it might be really, really obvious if there has been a call for ministry, right? We want to pray, we want to lay hands on anyone that feels a particular call to evangelism. Well, then you probably don't need to ask them what they want prayer for because it's probably obvious. But sometimes there's more than one call at the same time. So then that's going to be important that you ask. Um, and sometimes if it's prayer for healing, then it's important that you ask. Um, they don't have to tell you. No one ever has to tell us anything. But it's important that you ask because then you can pray um, in, into that and pray specifically. But remember about this is brief. We're going to keep this brief, this time of asking them, because it isn't about us knowing their full medical history or about having a long conversation. Remembering that we want to clear the decks for God to move. So if they want to chat, then encourage them later on to go to the chat room so that the details of that are in the program and the name sort of gives it away um, because what I think we need to bear in mind particularly in an event like this this isn't like church or youth group back home when we pray for someone here our job is not necessarily to well it's not to see it to its like final conclusion it's just a moment in their lives where we're asking God to move so um, yeah like I say if they need to chat they can go to the chat room if they need to like 
tell someone something that is really significant and possibly even dangerous about their life, in their life, then we've got an amazing team on site called the Welfare Team. And they're here to make sure that people are plugged into the right things when they go back home and that any um, serious things like abuse or um, depression, suicide, those kind of things, that they can be taken care of where they go home. The great thing is we don't have to do all of that, okay? But if someone says something like that, just grab someone from the enabling team and they will make the next bit happen. So that time is not for those kind of big significant conversations. We're just uh, praying into what God is happening. As we listen to them, and as they might want to tell us one or two sentences, then um, it's important that we don't respond with like shock or horror over anything they've said. So if they, they might, sometimes people do want to confess a sin, but if, if they do that, then we just say, that's so great that you told me that. Thanks for having the bravery to tell me. Isn't it great that Jesus can forgive you? And he does, so let's just bring that to him now. And we just say, God, come, and I just thank you. You know, you pray into that. Lord, we just, we stand together and my friend Abby has just uh, confessed, as you know, this thing in her life. And we just bring that to your cross now and we ask that you'd forgive her in Jesus' name. That's as simple as that. I think, um, though, even more importantly than listening to the person you're praying for, it's even more important that we're listening to God. Because I've noticed over the years that the thing that we might think we want prayer for, it's not always the thing that God wants to do. And I remember someone doing this brilliantly for me a few years ago. I'd had a bit of a bad back at the time, nothing too major, but it wasn't, it wasn't nice. And um, so I went forward, to, uh, this was at my church at home, for prayer for my bad back. And I stood there and someone, a girl called Mim, came to pray for me. And as she started to pray, and I said, you know, it's my back, and so she put her hand on my back. But then she just said, oh, this is a bit weird, but I feel like God has got a little word for you. And I feel like what he wants to say is, Ali, it's time to dream the old dream again. And every time I tell this story, it makes me cry because, um, so this was the background to this. But Mim was the fourth person to have said those words to me in quite a short succession of time. And um, what had happened is that when I was growing up from a really, really young age, like this might sound weird, but from about eight, I had known that I wanted to be a mum. That was just something that I had always known that I wanted to do. And then I was single for like ever. Forever, like literally the whole of my teens, the whole of my 20s, I was single. And there were times in that when it was really painful, times in that that it was okay. But part of being single is I, I took this dream of wanting a child and kind of went, eek, I don't really know what to do with that because it doesn't appear to be anyone that, you know, wants to give me a child. So I just kind of tucked that dream away. And I didn't think that I was squishing it down deep. I just thought, well, it's not for now. Well, then eventually I met Joel and we got married. And at this point, when this person prayed for me and had this word for me, we'd been married for about a year. And um, I can say she was the fourth person to say to me, it's time to dream the old dreams again. And I knew through that, I, I kind of cottoned on that God was saying, Ali, that dream to be a mother, it's time to resurrect it. And I didn't realize how deeply I had pushed that down. And so I began to dream again. I began to sort of allow that desire to sort of waken up in me of what it would be to be a mum. And um, my son William came along about a year later and he was like the fulfillment of that promise. And I'm so glad that the person who prayed for me just had ears 
to listen to what God was saying. It was really significant for me. So even when you think you know how you're meant to be praying because they've said, I'd like to pray for this, listen to God and see, see what it is that he wants to say. Now that in itself is a whole other conversation. How do we, how do we listen to God? How do we hear him when we're praying for someone? There's, so much that we could say there that I'm not going to say loads. One thing I will say is at some point this week, and I meant to look it up in the program, Mike Pilav is going to be doing a seminar on prophecy, hearing God, that type of thing. Go along to it. He's absolutely brilliant on that subject. He's really fun but, and funny, as we know, but there's so much good stuff in there about how to hear from God. So go along to that um, if that's something you want to um, kind of learn more about. But in brief, as you're praying for someone and you're listening to God, God, I really would love you to speak for this person. Here are some ways where how you might hear him. It might be that some a little verse from the Bible comes into your mind. We'll pray that over them. It might be that as you're praying for someone and you've got your eyes open, they suddenly, for some weird reason, remind you of someone else. And then it's like, okay, God, what is it about this person that you're wanting me to kind of do the connection with? And I found that sometimes then it's been like, oh, it's this heart or it's this passion. And then you can pray into that. Sometimes, um, some people, I've never had this, but some people will see a word almost like hovering over someone's head or over part of their body or over them. Again, pray that into them. Sometimes you might feel like a pain in your body or in your heart that you know is not your own because it wasn't there a minute ago. And so sometimes that would suggest something of what God wants to do. And it's weird because we've got to get used to that feeling of like, you're suddenly in that moment thinking, what's the matter with me? Why do I hurt? And then it's like, oh, it's not me, God. It's something you're doing in them or something that they are experiencing that they need prayer for. I know that for me, sometimes when God's presence is really sort of in the room, that feeling of, oh God, you're here, what do you want to do? I get like really, really nervous, particularly if I'm leading a meeting. And what's weird is that I'm like, oh, I can't believe I'm really, really nervous. I just want to concentrate and do whatever God's doing and, and not think about myself. And I've realized now when I get that extreme nerves, almost to the point of like, I feel a bit jittery. I'm like, oh, uh, it's okay, it's not me, it's you God, you're just alerting me to the fact that you want to do something and then I know, right, it's time to stop the meeting and just ask God's spirit to come. So it's like learning as we go and learning when these things aren't about us but about him and what he's wanting to do in that person or in that group of people. Often when we're trying to hear God and we're saying, God, come and speak, it's often just the smallest of inklings. It's not like a really clear, thus said the Lord. It's just this tiny little feeling of, you know, like with my friend that prayed over me, she just got a weird little sense and just, oh, I feel like God is saying it's time to dream the old dreams again. She didn't know how significant that was going to be for me. She just offered that little thought that she had. And I think that's really important that sometimes it feels like what we offer doesn't make that much sense. We just offer it gently and we offer it just as God's given it to us. So like I say, Mike would have loads more to say on that. But that's just for now as we're listening to God. Some of the things that we might um, experience as we're hearing him and we just offer it gently. And the main thing is, is that we do offer it gently and we offer it in an encouraging way. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 3 says that everyone who prophesies speaks to men mankind for their strengthening encouraging and comfort so that's got to be the benchmark of anything that we offer to someone is is it strengthening is it encouraging is it comforting and if what we hear appears not to be any one of those things then we need to think okay well how could I offer that in a way that is so it might be that as you're praying for someone you kind of get this sense I think she really hates her sister well that's like not a very encouraging comforting thing to say so then it's like how can I put that so you might say to someone as I'm praying for you hey just a really quick question how are things with you and your sister 
all right, well then, if you're right, and if, you know, if you've heard right, and they're going, actually, things aren't great, and actually, I'm really angry with her, and blah, blah, blah. okay, let's just bring that to God. Let's just stand in his presence and bring that relationship to God. So you can do it in an encouraging way, even if it sounds initially harsh in your head. And as we offer things, if we offer it gently and humbly, then we give people a way out. Because we might have heard wrong. That's fine, because we're only human. It might be that we're right, but in that moment, they don't massively want to go into it. You know, I've had that before where I've prayed for someone and they've been like, no. And then afterwards they've come to me, actually, that was right. But it just took me a bit of time to be able to respond to it. I've also had loads more times where I've just been flat out wrong. So if we offer it in a gentle way, then that gives them a way that they can just say, no, that's not for me. This whole thing of waiting and listening to God and looking to see what he wants to do. It's like probably the more daunting part about praying for people, but it's also the most exciting part because it's where we get to like partner with him and be involved in what he's doing. Okay, so we've stood and we've stopped and we've listened and they were like the longest sections. Okay, so we've passed. We've definitely, you know, we've gone to the top of the hill and we're already on our way down. You'll be glad to know. Um, And so the next thing is, is we need to look And I've already said that we keep our eyes open when we pray. We look to see uh, what God is doing. But in the same way that maybe when we were little, we were told to pray with our eyes shut so we don't get distracted. That can still be a very real um, temptation if we're praying for someone with our eyes open. So what we need to do is we make sure that we really focus on them, that we choose not to be distracted by maybe our friends. Some of them seem to be going off for lunch or maybe, you know, there's the screen and there seems to be a... particularly hot worship leader on stage at that moment and wow they're just about six foot by no they're not aren't they how big are those screens they're 10 foot by something and okay but if you just look at them look at the person you're praying for concentrate on them um i think we need to make sure that we're treating that person really well and, and giving them our attention is where that starts that if nothing else when that person's been prayed for and they go back to their seat and they sit down if nothing else at the very least they should go knowing that they've been loved Loved by God, but often the sense of that comes from that person really gave me their attention, they gave me their time, they, they cared for me in the way that they prayed for me. And that in itself is ministry. As we look with our eyes open, like I said, we might see signs of what God is doing. So that, that's why it's good to pray with our eyes open, that we can kind of get a sense of what he's doing. But also, sometimes as we see someone, what we'd say manifest, we see that sign of God working in their body, then there might be something that we need to do. I remember in my home church, um, I remember one of the first times when I was just um, started praying for people, again in the days before we did the whole praying for someone of the same sex as us, um, I was praying for this guy who was well over six foot, big guy, big beard, and um, not that the big beard really comes into the story again, but um, I was praying for him, and as I was praying for him, I saw that the Holy Spirit was just resting on him, and I could see that he was about to hit the ground. And in that moment, I, I had this decision to make, because I thought, either I could try and sort of catch him and potentially get squashed, or... I could just look away and pretend I didn't see it happening. Which one do you think I went for? Yeah, that's right. I just looked away and I let him hit the ground. And honestly, it was in like one of those ancient Church of England churches. I swear that the concrete floor beneath nearly split in two. He actually seemed fine, which is a relief. For all I know, he's not. But as far as I could tell in the moment, he seemed fine. Um, The thing is, when praying with your eyes open, when you see that maybe someone is about to have a lie down with Jesus, you can then 
Probably what I would do now if I was praying for someone that big and that beardy is I'd just grab another friend and I'd be like, quick, help me, and we could do it together. But at least when you've got your eyes open, then you've got a good chance of being able to deal with that rather than um, ignoring them. And actually, while we're on that whole subject of someone having a lay down with Jesus, sometimes that might happen. Again, it's just about the power and the presence of God. That Sometimes his peace comes on someone so much that their legs can't do a very good job of standing up anymore. Sometimes it's a peace thing. Sometimes it's a power thing. You know that, um, you might have heard this sort of analogy before, but if you put your fingers in a power socket, that it would be obvious in your body that you had encountered power. And sometimes when God's power falls on people, it's kind of obvious and so they might have a lie down sometimes it's like God floors us because he knows that that's his best chance of actually getting anything done with us you know we're so busy we're so active we're so wanting to move on to the next thing he's like right I'm going to get you down there and then maybe we can do some business and I remember a few years ago here actually there was a girl that had a lie down with Jesus for an hour and a half and in that time she was just flat out to the point that in the end we sent over the first aid team and we got her pulse taken because we thought this could be really awkward if we're all like "Mm, isn't that lovely Jesus meeting with her and actually she was dead so that would be awkward wouldn't it (laughs) to say the least I'll just let you know now we've not had any deaths so far so this is good but anyway they took her pulse but anyway she she didn't even flinch she just carried on and afterwards she told one of us that it was just that she had a real broken heart and God it was like he was doing surgery on her and it was like he put her under anesthetic while he just met with her and healed her And it didn't even bother her when people came and took her pulse. So if someone that you're praying for does have a lie down with Jesus, it doesn't mean job done. It doesn't mean like, brilliant, I'll move on. It's actually great. Just get on the floor next to them and just carry on praying for them. If they're down there for that long, then feel free to go and pray for someone else or, um, yeah, or just hang out nearby. Sometimes it's good to hang out nearby just to make sure that no one stands on them. But we don't see that sort of falling over kind of thing as a job done. Sometimes as you're praying for someone, you're looking, remember it's all under the the, uh, banner of looking, you can see that um, somebody maybe is struggling just to kind of go with what God is doing or struggling to meet with him. And again, when you see that with your eyes, just, just encourage them. God is here, just let him meet with you. And like I say, if we see that they're crying, don't worry about tears. We're not going to try and shut tears down. We might want to get a tissue. I know for me, if I'm crying when God meets with me, the last thing I want to be doing is worrying about the line of snot that's running from my nose to the floor. So I just feel a lot better if someone grabs me a tissue because then it frees me up to kind of concentrate on what God is doing. So we can get a tissue. We don't need to suppress emotion in the same way that we don't need, we mustn't be um, whipping up emotion. Just let people be before God, whatever they're feeling. Okay, so we've stood, we have stopped, we've listened, we've looked. And lastly, we speak, we use our mouths. And like, um, just so you know, these five things that I've said, they don't necessarily always happen in that order. You know, like I say, when someone comes and we pray for them, we, we ask God to come, we say, come and meet with them. And then we wait. And then we might say a little bit more and then we wait. So it's not as linear as stand, stop, look, listen, speak. It, it's um, a kind of mixture of all those things. But we do We do pray. We do use our mouths from time to time. So we might pray over that person in line with the Bible, something that we feel like God is saying. We don't need to get fancy or weird or whip anything up. Just pray what we feel like God is saying. We pray in Jesus' name. If someone's come forward for healing, we speak to that condition in Jesus' name. Pray specifically in line with whatever they've come forward for prayer. 
And we don't pray, oh Lord, really, really bless my friend Abby. She's such a good girl. She's so lovely. I know how desperately she'd love to meet with you. And I know she really deserves it. She's been working hard all year. And now she, it's not about Abby or Joe or James. It's not about us as individuals. So we don't pray, come and meet with them because of who they are. We say, come and meet with them because of who you are and what you want to do. And as we pray, yeah, it's remembering that importance of so often the, the key is receiving forgiveness in our own lives and releasing forgiveness in our own lives. So that's another thing that you might want to remember as you pray for someone. A couple of other things to do or not do with our mouths. We don't gossip or pass on to anyone else something that has been told to us in one of those moments. Now, it might well be that we want to process something with someone, in which case go back to your youth leader and just say, you know, this, this upset me or it made me think about this in my own life. That's fine to share that with one other person, your youth leader. Also, another time when it would be okay to pass something on is if someone has disclosed something that you know is dangerous. You know that that puts that person in danger. But again, that's just one other person. So it might be if you see someone from enabling team, grab them or grab your youth leader and you pass it over, but then you don't share it with anyone else. Like I say, we never tell someone that they have a demon or an evil spirit. It's just not helpful for people to be told that. And our experience is that usually it's not the case. Um, But if you do think that someone might have a demon, then just grab someone else to come and pray with you. And like I said, that's always a good thing anyway. It's always good to grab someone. If you see an enabling team person wandering around, say, come and help me. Come and do this with me. If someone um, seems to be showing an outward sign of something that God is doing in them, that might be a bit weird for them. Maybe they've never met with God in that way before. So you might want to just say, it's okay. God is here. He's just meeting with you. Give them a real reassurance. And it's not unholy to ask like gentle questions. So after you've been praying for a while, you might want to be like, is anything happening? Or what's God seeming to to say to you? It's not going to ruin the moment. You know, this is not a romantic date where saying the wrong thing is going to ruin it. And in fact, going back to the girl on the floor for an hour and a half, it didn't even bother her when someone took her pulse. So if someone's really meeting with God, a gentle question from you is not going to ruin it. But sometimes it can be really helpful to know how to pray next or even to know we've probably, we're probably done here for the time being and they can get prayer another time. And the other thing about with our mouths is don't preach over the person that you're praying for. Not long prayers, long sermons, or your good ideas, or moral things, or anything like that. Just let God do it. Okay, so that's our five things. Stand, stop, listen, look, and speak. And like I say, not necessarily in that order. A couple of final tips before we finish, and and we're all going to give it a go, is just remember to be patient when you're praying for someone Hang on in there. Keep listening to God. Encouraging them to keep hanging on. Remembering it's not, oh God, do you want to do something here? Do you want to meet with this person? But it's remembering he always wants to meet with his people. And this whole thing is a bit like learning anything new. You only learn as you do. None of us um, learn just in isolation, just from reading a book or hearing a talk. We learn as we get on with it. With cooking, we learn as we give it a go and sometimes burn it and make something gross and sometimes make a really good meal and it's great and we celebrate it. And this stuff, we learn as we go. And the good thing about hearing the kind of stuff that we've been looking at this morning means that even when it doesn't go perfectly, you're not going to damage anyone. You know, we're just learning as we go. And then we just remember that this is God's work and not ours. So he is responsible for the outcome. We're not. We're just there to facilitate what he's doing. And a quick little story to illustrate 
this. A friend of mine told me that um, he went to pray for someone. And so he said, hi, my name's Paul. What's your name? And the guy said, my name's Jack. And my friend Paul said, right, what can I pray for you? And he said, I've hurt my knee really badly. It's damaged and I've got to have an operation on it and I'd love God to heal it. So my friend Paul said, do you mind if I put a hand on? Well done him. He asked permission. And the guy said, no, that's fine. And so my friend Paul put his hand on and said, Jesus, just come and heal this knee in Jesus' name. And he waited for a bit. And then it just seemed like nothing was happening. And my friend Paul got a bit embarrassed and didn't quite know what to do. So while the guy's eyes were shut, he kind of just shuffled off and went to pray for someone else and just felt a bit weird about that. And... Um, a couple of weeks later at church, this guy Jack got up and, and just gave his testimony and said, I got prayed for a couple of weeks ago. Um, my knee had been really bad. I was waiting to have an operation on it. But that night, God healed my knee. The operation has been cancelled and I've been able to play sport ever since. And my friend Paul had no idea that God was doing anything. It looked like nothing was happening. It's his, it's his work, not ours. And when we're praying for people, sometimes God does something immediately. Sometimes he does a little bit and there's more to come. And sometimes it seems like he's doing nothing at all. But we trust him. We trust that he always wants to meet with his people. Okay, I'm done.